Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to share with you a, a news article that I happened to see this past week. Maybe you saw this as well. The question that's asked is, is Wendy's surge pricing going to become the new normal? So I don't know if Wendy's kind of got in hot water this past week because uh, in, in an earnings call, one of their uh, leaders announced that they were going to switch their menus to all digital over the course of the next few years. And one of the things that that could allow them to do is to fluctuate their prices depending on how busy it is, depending on the time of day. So if you're going kind of during the lunch rush, your Frosty might be $1.59 instead of $1.29. And if you're going, uh, in theory, uh, you know, right before they close, maybe it would be slightly less. Now, the response to this was people were pretty upset. And there was debate about whether if I go and it's busy and I see the prices are more than I want, am I going to get out of line and be like, okay, yeah, you know, a junior bacon cheeseburger is worth this much, but not, not, not during kind of the rush pricing. And you can decide for yourself which camp you fall in. You go, a Frosty's worth whatever they, you know, they ask, or are, are you going to get out of line and here, Wendy's got quite a bit of pushback for it. And my one disappointment with the article is I thought the phrase uh, frosty reception should have been in here at some point <laughs> because of kind of the pushback they were getting, but unfortunately that wasn't, uh, wasn't the case. But the reality is we shouldn't be surprised about this because most industries operate this way. Uber and other rideshare apps have been using this varying price change uh, since they first existed. The hotel industry, if you try to book a hotel during Super Bowl weekend in the host city, it's going to cost a lot more uh, than the next weekend. Right? If you go to the ballpark and the Cardinals are playing the Cubs, those tickets are more expensive versus when we're beating up on the Pirates or you know, someone like that. It's not just kind of products that, that do this. The reality is our world operates on a variable system of how much is something worth. How much is something worth? Well, it depends. Depends on what other people think about it. Depends on how in demand it is. It depends on scarcity. It depends on the weather. It depends on all sorts of factors. And this isn't just how the economy of our world works. This is also how we treat people. And so the question for today is, what are you worth? Jesus asked this question in our text from Matthew chapter 6. He says, are you not of more value than they? Talking about the birds of the air that God takes care of. He asked this question rhetorically. We're supposed to all know the answer is yes. But in our world, we've turned it from a rhetorical question into an actual question. Are you of more value? What are you worth? And our answer, just like our economy, is, well, it depends. What day are you asking me? Did I just finish a big project at work? Then I'm feeling pretty good. How are my grades doing? 
Well, in these three subjects, I'm feeling pretty good, but don't ask about math. Right? Let's just not, not count that. Right? The calculator's going to do it for me anyway. Is my relationship going well? Then I, I feel pretty good. Are people not answering my calls? Is there conflict, friction? Then maybe I'm not worth as much. See, the reality is in our world, value, not just of products, of companies, no, value of human life is variable, which means it can be earned. It can be lost. Because when value is up for grabs, is up for debate, that is one of the first things that Satan will attack. Because if he can get the people of God to wonder, am I worth it? He can get us to doubt, would God want a person like me? In fact, this is his very first temptation, Genesis chapter 3. He's talking to Adam and to Eve, and primarily he's tempting Eve. And here's the question that the serpent asks Eve. He says, you know, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The subtext is, you're not good enough the way you are. It's an issue of value. And Eve buys it. Hook, line, and sinker. She gives some to her husband who is with her, and he eats it. it the first temptation is a temptation of value. Am I, am I worth it the way that I am, the way that God has created me to be? And notice also the response of Adam and Eve after they fall into sin. What's the first thing they do? They hide. Not just from one another. No, they hide from God. Why? Because what kind of a God would want a person like me anymore? Yeah, sure, when we were the pinnacle of His creation, when we were made in His image, when we were taking care of the garden, yeah, sure, God wanted to be with us. But, but now that we've sinned, now that our eyes have been opened, God wouldn't want us, so it's better if we just hide. What kind of a God would want a person like me? It's been Satan's attack from the very beginning. See, this is the first example of a clearance tag. Where you go, well, yeah, at one point I was worthwhile, but, but now I've, I've got to discount that. I've got to factor in what I've done in my life. And now I'm not worth as much. Maybe someday, maybe someday I'll, I'll be back to where I was. But the reality is we operate on this kind of a clearance tag system. Either we kind of add these tags to the people around us, we judge others, we look down at them. Well, you're not worth as much as me because... This is what you look like. This is the culture that you're in. This is how much you produce versus what I do. This is how much you contribute. This is what the people around you uh, say about you. And we add those clearance tags. We look down at the people around us. But perhaps more often what we do is we put these tags on ourselves. Well, everyone around me, all they see is my worst moment, like my greatest failure, and so maybe that's all I am. We had a clearance sticker. 
And then the next time we assume, well, I'm not, I'm not worth much. We, we take others' words, we internalize, and we take our own voice, and we convince ourselves that I'm not worth people's time. There's a reason why people aren't responding. There's a reason why people aren't reaching out. It's because I'm not worth it. Reality is so many people in our world are walking around with clearance tags all over them. Okay, what am I worth? And it is one of the most destructive things in our world. Not only on an individual basis, but on a societal basis. See, this is at the root of the fifth commandment. Fifth commandment is you shall not murder. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 unpacks that and tells us it's about way more than just murder. In fact, if you look at your brother with hate in your heart, you've murdered him already. You see, there's so much behind the fifth commandment. And at the root of all these issues is a clearance tag. It's an issue of value. The person that does murder, it's because that other life is clearance. It's not worth it compared to my anger, my revenge, whatever it is that I want. We look at the evil of racism. And that's looking at someone else and saying, because of what you look like, because of, of your culture, you're not as valuable as me. It's a clearance tag problem. The problem of self-harm. The problem of body image issues. Of depression. Suicide. Those are all clearance tag issues. It's an issue of value where we look in the mirror and we go, I'm not worth much, or I'm not worth anything. It's an issue of value. Abortion, we look at that life because it's not yet born, or perhaps because it's not wanted, it is not as valuable. We look at, at assisted suicide, or, or the abuse of the elderly. We say that life isn't worth as much as it used to. See, at the core of some of the worst issues in our world is a clearance tag, is an issue of value. And so when we look at our world, we can see the work of Satan to tear down the people of God, to get us to wonder, am I worth it? And it is one of the most destructive things we see on an individual level and in our society. For us to wander around and to wonder or to think, to be convinced, I'm not worth much. Because the message of the clearance tag is who would want you now? And your God answers, I do. I want you. And Satan objects, but don't you know what he's done? Jesus says, yeah, I know better than anyone because I carried those sins. I paid for them in full. He's forgiven. And Satan argues, but she hasn't done anything to deserve that. No, she hasn't. But she doesn't have to. I give her her value freely. But the world has rejected him. But as God has not and never will. 
and because we've bought so much into the clearance tax, perhaps we add our own voice to the objections. We go, but Jesus, don't you see the clearance tax? Don't, don't you know what I've done? I, I'm not smart enough. I, I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. And Jesus says to you, my child, you have listened to so many voices for so long. With that, he begins to peel off the clearance tax. And so all that's left is your original tag, your actual value. Then that tag, that cross, says you are worth dying for. You have infinite value. Not just in theory, but in reality. Jesus Christ actually came to this world. He suffered and He died for you. You matter. And as the church, we need to say this more often because it is at the core of so many of the worst issues for us personally and for us in our world. That you are precious to the heart of God. And you have been from the very beginning. See, when I teach on this, I always come back to three anchor points for your value. When you're wondering, am I worth it? When you're asking that question, what am I worth? These are the three things that you go back to every time because they do not change. The first one is creation. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. You are created in the image of God. You have infinite value because of how God has formed and created you. Just in case you, we think, well, well, somehow I've lost that. I've overshadowed that. Here's the second truth, and we see that at the cross. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At the moment in our lives where we look at the mess of our life, we look at our reputation, we look at our problems, and we're overwhelmed and we think no one would possibly want me. That's the moment where Jesus dies for you. While we were still sinners, while you were at your worst, Christ died for you. See, God isn't up there looking at your life saying, oh myself, what am I going to do about this now? There's no way I can possibly fix this. No, God is not surprised. He's not overwhelmed. While you're at your worst, Christ died for you because you are worth it. You're worth dying for you. You have infinite value. We see it at creation. We see it at the cross. And we see it through the church. It's 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has for us. That we should be called children of God. So we are. See, you're not just some person. You're not a face in the crowd. You're not a nobody. You are a beloved child of the Lord of heaven, brought into His very family, chosen by God in the waters of baptism. See, and that gives us a place to stand against the lies, the attacks of the enemy. We have these anchor points 
to come back to. When Satan tries to take our failures, throw them back at us. Tries to take what's happened to us and have that define us. Tries to convince us that I'm not worth as much because of something that has been done to me or something that I haven't done. Is we can repeat back to him the unchanging truths of God's word. Is that none of that matters. None of that impacts my value because I'm created in the image of God. That Jesus died for me. I'm worth dying for. And in fact, God has brought me into his family. I'm chosen by God. I have infinite value. And it gives us a place to stand against the lies and the attacks of the enemy. But more than that, it also gives us a way to reach out in a world that is desperately searching for value. In a world where we've spent the last few years arguing who matters, what kind of lives matter, we as the church have the answer. You matter. The every fifth commandment issue is an issue of value. And so we can go uh, to the person uh, that that, that is uh, struggling and we say, you matter, regardless of what has happened in your life. (coughs) (coughs) That that you matter. Right, so the person that looks differently than us is from a different background. We say, you are made in the image of God. To the baby that hasn't been born yet, the elderly person who is towards the end of life, say, Christ died for you. Your life has value. The person that seems overlooked, that's living in poverty, you go, you matter. One who is struggling with with depression, self-harm, say, you have infinite worth. One who is defined by what has happened to them, Say, no, you are defined by what God has done for you in Jesus. You're forgiven. You matter. When we see someone that is being mistreated, is being talked down to, we say, hey, don't talk to her that way. She's worth dying for. And they go, great, another person from Zion, Bethalto. Because you matter. And this is the message that we have as the church in a world that is searching for value. As Luther says in the explanation to the fifth commandment, we should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need because life is precious to God. Because you are precious to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ.